Welcome to a place where we combine equal parts science, technology, design, and entrepreneurship. Then we gradually stir in magic to the mixture, and you have the Perception Podcast. Join us in conversations with design heroes, inspirational thinkers, business leaders, and trailblazers across the globe. Today's guest on the Perception Podcast is the legendary custom car builder Gene Winfield. He's best known for his custom cars like the Ford Custom Car Caravan, the front-wheel drive Strip Star, and many others. He has also designed cars for film and TV like the Star Trek Galileo ship, Blade Runner, Man From U.N.C.L.E., Bewitched, and Robocop. He started customizing cars at the young age of 15, and from there, he became a legend for his paint blending techniques and superhuman abilities to bend metal into forms that only he can imagine. He recently celebrated his 91st birthday and hasn't slowed down a bit. So get ready for a mind-bending conversation with the legendary custom car king, Gene Winfield. Welcome to the Perception Podcast. I'm very excited to have today's guest on the show, Gene Winfield. Gene, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. So, um, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school. Okay, my, uh, I was actually born in Springfield, Missouri, and my family moved to Modesto, California, uh, when I was about a year and a half old. So I was raised in Modesto, and uh, went through high school and, and so forth, and of course I started drawing cars, and you know, very young, and and uh, not knowing what to do, and uh, so I, then I actually bought my first car when I was 15 years old. It was a Model A Coupe, and I didn't know what to do with it, but I wanted to change it, so I started adding stuff onto it. And, uh, you know, back in the day, and, and of course I, I was 15 years old when I bought it, and uh, started driving, a, I got a special permit at 15, so I was driving at 15, and and 16, and, and you know, back then, gasoline was, uh, well, originally it was 13 cents a gallon, but then when I started buying it, it was 25 cents a gallon. And so I started adding things to this Model A, and uh, the one thing, to, to be cool, you had to have a, uh, a foxtail on your antenna. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I didn't have an antenna, so I put an antenna on it, no radio, but I put an antenna on it so I could have the <laughs> foxtail. That's great. So that was pretty cool. And uh, then my second car was a Model A Roadster, and I started uh, <clears throat> going around to different cities around, uh, you know, close to Modesto, like Sacramento and mm-hmm. Oakland and San Francisco. And, and I started going around, and I was taking pictures with a little $6 camera, and I took pictures of everything that had any modification at all. If the, if the car had fender skirts or lowered or molded off the hood or trunk, anything and everything I took pictures of. And so I started getting into it little by little. And uh, with that with that Roadster, I put a V8 in it, and then I shaved the heads, and, and then I built my own two-carburetor manifold all out of steel plates and tubing and brazed that all together. And when I, when I brazed it together, I warped the heck out of it, so I had to take it to a machine shop and get it machined so it would be flat so I could bolt it on the engine. But that all went very well, and, and so I got started with the hot rodding industry and, and just kept going. Well, that's great. At such a young age, too, to be able to do uh, that with your hands, that's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So 
Was there a big influence or, or a big break that put you on the path of, uh, of custom cars? Well, you know, like I say, I just was going around to different cities, and I didn't know anybody, mm-hmm. and I was taking pictures of, uh, of these cars. And then, and then later I met uh, Dick Bertolucci in Sacramento, and uh, he had uh, Harry Westergaard working for him. So Westergaard and, and Bertolucci, and uh, then uh, then I got acquainted with Valley Customs in Burbank. Uh, Neil Embry and Clayton Jensen, they had Valley Customs, and and then Joe Wilhelm in San Jose, California. So these people were doing stuff with lead, and they were metal finishing and and hammer welding and all kinds of stuff that I didn't know how to do. Mm-hmm. But then. So I, I, you know, little by little, I, I, I learned everything uh, with, without going to school. So I, uh, I was building model airplanes, in fact, and uh, you control model airplanes. And so I built a, a P-39, and I put wood dough, and I sculptured, it, sculptured the wings and everything and sanded it and did all kinds of little modifications to it. Mm-hmm. Then I took it to a regular body shop and had them, I wanted them to paint it. So they, they primed it first and then showed me how to sand that. And so we primed it and sanded it a couple of times. And, and then the, the guy sprayed it with black lacquer. And uh, so I said, well, you know, I, I watched him do it. And I said, well, I can do that. So I went and bought a paint gun. And so then I painted my, actually painted the, the Model A Coupe, uh, painted it out in the yard at my brother's place. Uh, he had a little gas station and a used car lot. And... Uh, so I painted it there in, in his driveway at the gas station, and, and it went pretty well. I got a few runs, and then you sent him out, and, and uh, he showed me how to hold the gun and pull the trigger. And, and uh, so then uh, that started my, my painting mm-hmm. uh, career. And then later uh, I learned how to blend, and that was in, oh, in 57. I started playing with that. I painted a couple of motorcycles, and... And then I uh, I started blending the motorcycles and, and blending different colors together, and this was intriguing to me and, and interesting, and, and I wanted to create things that were different. And uh, so that's what I've done my whole life, but I started that, and so I blended my first car in 57, which was a brand-new 57 Chevy, had less than 200 miles on it. Wow. And then... Uh, then I went on, and then the most radical car that I blended was in, I built in 59, called the Jade Idol. And um, so I built the Jade Idol, and then I blended that with a radical blended paint job. And then that car went nationwide, went all the way to New York, and, and uh, all through the, uh, the country of U.S., and um, so, and it won everything. It won sweepstakes, and it won best paint, and best engine, and best interior, and just it was a radical, radical car at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that sort of put me on the map, so to speak, nationwide. And and then by this time, the magazines were were doing a few stories on me, and and of course the Jade Idol ended up in several magazines. And um, so I just uh, been continue. Uh, right. And, and right. what I like to do is uh, I create what I call the wow factor. You know, I, I do something that's different. I, I'll, I'll look at a car and I'll study it for 15, 20 minutes maybe, and, and I just, in my mind, I figure out things that I can do to make it better and to make it enhance it and, 
and make it look uh, just ex- different and exciting. And uh, so then later the people look at it and they say, wow. So that's the wow factor. Mm-hmm. And I, I always like to say that a customer makes a statement with his car. So we make a statement with each and every custom car. And uh, so we we just continue to do things that are different and, and restyle and, and uh, mold off things and change it and change the grills and things like that to create that wow factor. So I'm still doing that today, of course. Right. So what do you what do you find uh, the inspiration for coming up with the ideas for all your wicked customs? Uh, what what ideas? I I didn't hear that. Say again. Where do you find your inspiration? You mentioned you know you stare oh, at the. Oh, well, my inspiration. Well, I like I say I just I look at it and and I study it and then I decide that uh, uh, just out of my head I guess that mm-hmm. uh, I can figure out things that I will change to make it different and and to make it exciting and different. And um, so I just do that on my own. It's just a, maybe a natural thing that I have. And, and uh, so I, I just want to create things that are different and, and exciting. And, and that's, that's my whole life. That's what I do. Right, right. And you mentioned, you know, uh, making that, that model uh, plane. I was a big model maker and, and uh, funny enough, a Hot Wheels collector growing up. I, I, I was born in, uh, in 1970. Um, and I actually still have most of my Hot Wheels, uh, funny enough. But uh, tell us a little bit about your days at AMT, because I remember that company and, and what the experience of designing uh, at that yeah. scale was like. Yeah, AMT originally stood for Aluminum Model Toys, mm-hmm. yep. but uh, later, of course, it was all plastic. And um, so they called me and wanted me to do some uh, design work and uh, redesign, uh, you know, some of the kits that they put out. and. And I, w- I was very happy to do that. In fact, it was very interesting to me. Uh, AMT was able to get pictures and blueprints and, and uh, sometimes, uh, uh, yeah, blueprints and things of the new models, which were a year before announcement time. Mm-hmm. So they would get, say, a, say a Mustang. They, they got pictures of the new Mustang one year before announcement. So then I would take those uh, pictures that they had and restyle it, change the grills and mold off this and that and and uh, and do a custom version so that then AMT put out these kits and they call them three in one. So the three would be uh, building it as a race car or as a custom car or as a stock car. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the owner, the young or old, they would be able to build it either either one of the three. So I did the custom version, and uh, some of the other customizers did it as well, like Barris and, and uh, uh, Bill Cushenberry and some of those people. Mm-hmm. And so we would go into AMT uh, once or twice a year and look at these new pictures of all the new models and then recreate them so that we would have the Gene Winfield version of the custom part of the three-in-one kit. Right. So that was really uh, interesting and uh, and gratifying to me to be able to do that. Right, that's very cool. You could do that at, at at that scale. Is it harder to do it at the model scale, or is it harder to do it, you know, at full size? No, there's there's no real difference. Uh, okay. Uh, you see, with the with the model scale, I I worked with artists at AMT, and then I would suggest 
some changes, and then they would draw draw it up. They would draw pictures of it. Mm-hmm. They would take the stock uh, car, and, and maybe they would Xerox an image of the stock body, and then we'd do the modifications to that and, and change it two or three times or whatever and, until I liked it. And, um, and then uh, they would go ahead and, and draw it up and put it in the kit. See, now, just like when I, when I paint a car, when I blend a car, even today, and I've been doing this all the way since 57, uh, when I blend a car, I paint until I like it. And I don't care who else, I don't care if the owner likes it or not, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I create a, a piece of art, excuse me, a piece of art, and, and I blend and, until I like it. And it doesn't matter if it takes me uh, uh, two days or three days or, or five days. Mm-hmm. I paint and paint, and, and if I don't like it, I repaint it right then. I change it and, and keep adding to it, and I blend it and paint until I like it. And, of course, I've done it with so many years now that I don't uh, very often have to redo my own work. In other words, I, I figure it out ahead of time, and if I know that I'm going to paint the car purple, then I know what shades of purple to go where. And, and I, uh, I look at the normal highlights. I look at the light, the, uh, whether it's sunlight or, or, or artificial light. I look at the light coming to the vehicle, and then I decide where, where to blend this and that, and uh, and so I always do that. Even even when we're doing custom body work, I I put lights and I, I, I watch the highlights to see how it reads or see how it flows, mm-hmm. and that's how I've been able to do a very smooth uh, confirmations and, and changes and things over the years, and and by by looking at the lights. Right. So you've invented a, a bunch of techniques in the custom car world, and you're known as one of the best painters and the, the best metal bender on the planet. Do you use any modern technology to customize cars now? Oh, sure, sure. You know, today we have the wire welders. Where, mm-hmm. uh, in the old days, all we had was a stick arc welder, and we didn't use that very much on the sheet metal. And so I used a gas torch for most everything. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I actually learned how to do hammer welding. Uh, I was in the Army. Uh, first of all, I, I was in the Navy at the, world, at the end of World War II. I was in the Navy for a year, and uh, they had a deal where you could join, join the Navy for the uh, completion of the war plus six months. So the war was over, and I did another six months. So I was in it about approximately a year. So then on the Korean deal, they, they drafted me in the Army. And if you were in prior service a year or more, they were they were not going to draft you. Well, I was really mad because I had been in a year, and and they drafted me. But come right down to it, the year was less than a year by three days. So it was three days less than a year, they drafted me, and I went in the army. So then I went overseas to Tokyo, Japan, and the first day out of the base. I'm walking along, and I found a Japanese body shop, and uh, so I went in there, and and uh, it actually had a dirt floor, and this guy had a chunk of steel on the floor, about three or four inches thick, and maybe about 18 inches by 18 inches square, and he had two hammers only, and some tin snips, and he was cutting little pieces of metal and pounding them on this steel plate, and then... 
and then from there he would put it on and create it. What he did was he created and built a complete front fender for a 39 Buick. Wow. Complete front fender out of little pieces and welded it all together. Hmm. So I watched him for six or eight hours, went back the next day and watched him some more. So in two days, he completed a complete front fender for a 39 Buick. And that was very impressive to me. So I watched him hammer weld and then some fuse welding with no wa- no welding rod. Now, And I asked him if they had lead. He knew what it was, but no, they didn't have any. So he metal finished and shaped the entire thing out of these little pieces by pounding them with the two hammers. And then, then they, um, they primed it. Now, their primer that they had was uh, like pellets. It was pellets, and they would take this, the pellets and put them into a, a container and mix uh, lacquer thinner with it and, and make it into a sprayable uh, primer. Or they would leave it a little thicker, and sometimes they would spread it on as putty. So they used it, the same material for their body putty and their primer just by thinning it in different uh, rates. Right. And so it was very interesting to watch and... and uh, and their acetylene back then was, was custom-made in a machine by using carbide, I think, or whatever. But anyway, this white material, and it stinks like crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so then later in Japan, some of us GIs got together and, and rented a little shop. And then I, I chopped the top on a, on a uh, 41 Ford over there, and, uh, and I chopped and half-sectioned it. And uh, so I went to to a shop before we rented our own. Went to this shop, and and on the on the sign on the outside, it said "Oxygen Welding and Cut" in English, and then of course Japanese uh, writing as well. So we rented by the hour a acetylene torch, and and so I welded and did all kinds of work uh, in in the front yard of this. <laughs> of this uh, welding shop over there. Hmm. And so then later uh, we, uh, we rented and, and rented our own shop, four of us, and got together and, and we hired a Japanese body man and uh, couldn't pronounce his name, so we called him Hammer Happy. And uh, this guy was tremendous with, with the hammer and uh, hammer and dollies. And, and he made all kinds of really nice trick little pieces and, and things for us. And he made a complete grill for a 39 Ford that we were working on. And it was all sculptured, and it was just individual pieces, all hand-pounded. And it was just unbelievable amount of of uh, creativity he was able to do just with hammer. It's hmm. amazing. So, uh, I, you know, I watch a, a lot of these shows on the Velocity Channel with uh, Ken Diggett Design and West Coast Customs and, all you know, Iron Resurrection, yep. all these shows. And I'm sure yeah. you've been on on all of them, and I know you've inspired a, a lot of them. Um, you know, they yeah, take I was it. on Kendik and uh, and a couple of other shows, mm-hmm. and uh, they had me do a little creative body work. So, so they but, take uh, advantage of the modern technology. Obviously, you know, I think it's also has to do with the tight deadlines that they seem to always have. You know, with the technology right. of today, do you think it's easier to customize a car? Or? How do you feel? About oh it? yeah, yeah. We, you know, of course, we have wire welders. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that we use, and, and we use them a lot. And then I still use a gas torch for a lot of my work. I still 
use hammer and dolly and and uh, gas work and, and shaping and the, shaping the metal yeah, and it when, and and of course I have all the machines you know I have uh, power hammers and I have a, a pull max from Sweden and and uh, all and English wheels you know I have all of that and uh, but when you're when you're final work if you're creating a panel and you're going to weld it onto a vehicle the, all the final work is always still done with a hammer and dolly mm-hmm. your your actual finish work is done with a hammer and dolly and then a file a vixen file so you peck and file and and you shape it or or you metal finish it with those tools so there's still a, a lot of it is done the old-fashioned way but uh, but we create the panels on the, on the machines and everything, which saves a lot of time today uh, compared to the old days. In the old days, maybe all we had was a sandbag, and then later I I built uh, an English wheel. In fact, uh, uh, Tech Smith was uh, editor of uh, of Hot Rod Magazine, and he was having a roadster built uh, called the XR6. It was a slant six engine, Chrysler slant six engine, and uh, so he had it built in different shops. And I didn't actually work on that in the beginning, so they took it to six different shops. And Barris got involved, and he built the grill and the fenders, and and finished it up and painted it. And Tex told him he wanted it lightweight as as light as possible, so he didn't want to use uh, lead on it because of the uh, small amount of horsepower with this six-cylinder, mm-hmm. he wanted a lightweight. So in, at, at Barris's, they still did a lot of lead in the nose and, and, the, and the fenders, and I understand some of the fenders broke off in the trailer on the way to the first show because they were very, very heavy with lead. Mm-hmm. And so Tex called me, and he says, Gene, he says, do you know how to work aluminum? And I said, no, not really. And then I thought about it, and I called uh, Gordon Van in Burbank, California. And uh, Gordon Van, had, he had a restoration shop where he's doing a lot of aluminum work and, and creative aluminum uh, restructuring. And so I said, can you teach me how to, how to work aluminum? He said, sure, come on up. So I called Tex back, and I said, yeah, I, I can work aluminum. So I went up there and, and spent uh, four or five days, and, and he showed me how, how to do it and showed me how to gas weld it and this and that. And, and so then I come home and I built my own English wheel. And then uh, so Tex brought me the XR6, and I built a complete new nose and all four fenders out of aluminum. And the nose was very involved. It has scoops and shapes and inlets and and everything, and, and it just it was very, very involved for me to be, be my first project mm-hmm. with aluminum. It was very uh, a lot of work and very tedious to, to do that, but I was able to do it and, and get it, and then I repainted the car for him. That car is still in, uh, it's in Peterson Museum in the basement right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. and so it's, uh, it's still holding up very well, and, uh, and uh, they're very happy with it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Peterson Museum. I've been there a couple of times, once for a huge Hot Wheels exhibit that they had. So that that place is yes, uh, is I re- phenomenal. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. 
So here at Perception, we design uh, interfaces for the superheroes and all the Marvel films, but we also design interfaces and experiences for you know automotive giants like Ford. I'm a I'm a big Ford fanatic, and we got to do the 2017. Yeah, me too. Oh, great! Um, and we got to do so, the tw- the 2017 Ford GT. Um, how did you get involved with the Ford uh, Custom Caravan? Well, the uh, um Ford called me and uh, and asked me to come back to Detroit and bid on building some concept cars or show cars, mm-hmm. and uh, which I did. And uh, and then uh, they also had other people uh, like George Barris and Bill Cushenberry and stuff. So we built a few specialty vehicles, and all they gave me was uh, a, a colored rendering. They would give me a colored rendering, mm-hmm. and then and no blueprints or, or no measurements, nothing. And so they were taking their their um, their stock body of that year and then modifying it to make a an, an enhance or a show car to get the public to say, oh, wow, I, I want to buy one of those, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the first uh, Ford job I did was a Ford Galaxy a, a 64, so they gave me, in fact, they flew the car from Detroit to San Francisco and then trucked it down to me, and I built a special room so nobody could see it, and uh, so the public could not see what's going to come out next year in, in 64. And so I did the modifications from this drawing, and then I did all together. I did nine of them. I did nine show cars for Ford, hmm. and then... And then while we were finishing up some of these cars, uh, then uh, then AMT uh, got together with Ford and, and created the Ford Custom Car Caravan. So I was already in there, locked in, so to speak, with, with AMT. And um, so then each of us custom builders would build a car or two, and we did this for three years for the Ford uh, Custom Car Caravan. And then they traveled all over, uh, all over U.S. with it. And then they also had the AMT uh, Turnpike Cruiser, the the kit, you know, where they draw, where you drive the car from a little little box, and and you have the uh, 125th scale cars on this track, mm-hmm. on the Turnpike track. And so they would uh, allow us to play with the young people and and show off this. And that was AMT's part of the Ford Custom Car Caravan, so, so it went very well. And then later they had uh, Ack Miller after the first year, then Ack Miller came in and he was the uh, the racing type spokesman for Ford and uh, talked about the high performance, all the engines and this and that, and so it was a great to work with Ack Miller. Mm-hmm. What was the influence behind the, uh, the glass cover for the, for the car caravan? Well, uh, the the glass covers we we just made to uh, to be a part of the wow factor, you know. Right. And uh, so we made uh, covers and and sometimes over the engine and and even with my Pacifica that I just made uh, two years ago, I put a a plexiglass cover over the engine and uh, and it's a uh, a T-bird engine that I have in the uh, Pacifica. See, I originally built that for Ford for the caravan. Mm-hmm. And it was a '63 uh, Ford uh, Econoline pickup, and I modified it and customized it. And 
Hello? Gene? Hey, Gene? You there? I think I lost you. Hello? You want to try again? Oh, there you go. I got you back. Um, yeah, if you could just start back, because uh, you, you, it went silent where you were talking about the, uh, the glass top uh, with okay. the Pacifica. Yeah, see, when I, when I recreated the Pacifica, uh, when I first built it, I built it for Ford in 63, and it had a stock engine transmission and rear end, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I put wood in the bed and everything, made a nice little show truck out of it. So then when I did mine, I used a 92 T-Bird engine transmission and rear end, and so I chrome-plated everything under it, and, and, uh, and I, in the bed, I made the bed raise up by electric ram and with mirrors under it so that uh, the people could walk around the vehicle and look into the mirror on the uh, tilled up part of the bed and see the rear end and right. so the rear end was you know uh, independent uh, suspension and everything and, and i painted it and chromed and detailed it very nicely and and i still have that vehicle today hmm. how many vehicles do you currently have well, the custom vehicles, I, uh, I bought back the aluminum car that I built. The first aluminum car I built was the Strip Star, mm -hmm. and I built that in 63 and 4. I built that for Bob Larravee for the, uh, uh, the indoor car circuit, you know. And uh, so then uh, later I built the reactor, and I built that uh, also aluminum. That was in 65, and I built that for Joe Kaises of Hartford, Connecticut, and he had the Hartford Autorama car mm -hmm. show, so he called it the uh, Autorama Special, the Hartford Autorama Special, the cars. So then, and uh, that vehicle, I I used a Corvair, a turbocharged Corvair engine, and made it front wheel drive using a Citron chassis. Mm -hmm. That was a oh, I forget uh, what year, but it was a, a Citron ID19 was the model of the Citron, and I cut the body off and used the floor and all the chassis from the Citron and uh, put the uh, front-wheel drive Corvair. And so later I bought that car back, and I have that. In fact, that was in my house in my living room for a year and a half, and then uh, Jay Leno's people came up and did an interview on me, and then they wanted the car down there to, for me to take Jay a ride in it, which I did. I took it, got it out of the house and got it running and went down there and mm -hmm. drove him around for his TV show, the Jay Leno's Garage TV. So basically, and I mean, so that was a front-wheel car before any of the automotive giants had any yes, front-wheel cars. Yes, uh, Probably they had some front-wheel cars in Europe, you know, back in the day, but, mm -hmm. but it was the uh, before any production front-wheel drive. That's very true. Amazing. And I made the adapter myself on a bench. You know, from the uh, Corvair engine into the Citron uh, drive. Mm -hmm. You've worked on um, cars for uh, a bunch of films and, and TV. What, do you have any interesting stories from, you know, Blade Runner or Man from Uncle? Any of oh, those? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I built the, the Blade Runner car. And, um, well, even uh, the first one we did for the studio was the uh, for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. You know, Star Trek, we went. AMT, uh, we as AMT went to the uh, production part of, of Star Trek and said that we will build you the shuttlecraft 
completely free for the rights for AMT to build the Enterprise. And they said, fine, go ahead. Wow, so a great I, deal. I think, yeah, the, uh, it was called the Galileo, the, inter, the uh, shuttlecraft. So I went to the art director, and uh, he had a beautiful, a beautiful little ship that was all round and everything, all designed to be the shuttlecraft. But I told him, I said, I cannot do this in a hurry. Uh, they, they, they wanted me to do it, I think, in 40 days. So they wanted me to create the shuttlecraft full size in 40 days. And I had Sam Foose working for me at the time, Chip Foose's father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, Sam worked for me in three different shops. But uh, I've known Chip since he was two. And, wow. in fact, our families went water skiing together and everything. But anyway, so... Uh, I, so the art director said, you redesign it and bring it to me, and, and if I like it or approve it, then we'll go ahead. So I designed it with flat sides and pretty much flat surfaces so that I could build it out of plywood and, and masonite and some metal and, and whatnot. So I designed it, and I took it to a, a, a company and had them do a rendering for me. I took the rendering. Uh, the art director was uh, Walter M. Jeffries, and his nickname was Matt, Matt Jeffries. So I took it to Matt and showed him the rendering. He said, that's fine, it's beautiful, do it. So then we went home, and in 40 days we built the shuttlecraft. And the first episode was, uh, uh, I forget, well, it was called Galileo 7, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, it went very well. Now, we built a complete exterior, you see, a complete exterior only, and and it was approximately 14 feet wide and 28 feet long. Wow. Now that unit that unit still survives and and was restored and it's in uh, Houston, Texas at NASA NASA mm. Museum. So it's on display at NASA Museum in Houston, Texas. And so I went there and took some pictures and and uh, for my my uh, my book on on uh, movie car my movie car book. I have a couple pictures of it in there. So the movie car book has movie cars, television, and commercials. Now, when you see a commercial, there's no credits. You have no idea who did a right. uh, any commercials. So I did all kinds of crazy commercials. And, you know, I froze a car in a block of ice for 30 days for a gasoline commercial and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. But anyway, getting back to the man from UNCLE, now we uh, we did the same thing with the studio. We went there and we said, "Hey, we're going to uh, give you this car to use, and uh, for the rights for us to make it into a kit form." And they said, "Okay." So they made the Manfamonco car from a Piranha, which AMT was trying to produce a limited production sports car called the Piranha, and we were going to sell those for five thousand dollars. But then the first one cost us about nine thousand to build it. So we had to bomb out on that. But anyway, so we built the Man from Uncle car from a piranha, took it to the studio, and they loved it. Everything was fine. And I have pictures with uh, Stephanie Powers, uh, you know, the girl from Uncle, and yep. this and that. Yep. So then when they started filming it, then Robert Vaughn didn't like it. He didn't like getting in and out of it. He thought it was clumsy. But it, but one episode, the very first episode, it shows him sliding into the car and coming out with no problem. It was graceful, but he just didn't happen to like it, so they didn't use it very much. They could have used it more in the Man from Uncle series, but uh, Vaughn uh, just didn't like it, so they only used it in maybe three 
three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a shame. And then uh, some of the other cars, like Blade Runner, um, <clears throat> they had Blade Runner, they had me bid 54 cars. Wow. Okay. Wow. Now that took me almost three months to bid it. I have to get an accountant to help me bid it. Can you imagine how many tires and spare tires and wheels yeah. for 54 yeah. cars and windshield wipers and this and that, you know? And so I, I chose uh, to use a Volkswagen uh, Beetle uh, chassis for a lot of them. And uh, so anyway, I made the, uh, the taxis. The taxis were out of a, a VW van. And then uh, Sebastian's car, if you remember that, uh, his was made of a, with a Dodge van. And we added an extra set of wheels. So it was a six-wheel uh, uh, armadillo-type vehicle. And uh, so... Anyway, they come right down to it uh, to get ready to film it. So then they they gave me the job to do 27 cars, and then and then after I got started, then they wanted another Sebastian vehicle. So without changing any money, the money stayed the same. They eliminated two coupes and and you know twisted around so that I made 25 cars instead of 27. Mm-hmm. So I built physically built. 25 cars for that movie Blade Runner. And wow. the spinner, what we call the spinner, is the police car that they lifted to fly. Yep. And that was very, very involved. And uh, it changes from a, uh, a flying position to a driving position. So when it comes into land, the wheel covers or the front fenders, so to speak, they move out mm-hmm. and come up and land on top of the tire and the tire actually comes out of a ball and drops down to be in the street-driven uh, position. So it was very, very involved with hydraulics and, and mechanical things to make that all happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it went uh, very well. In fact, just last weekend, I, or last week, I uh, went to Japan and uh, helped them. They have a, a, a spinner in Japan, and I helped them get started on the restoration so wow. we're going to make a, a couple of trips, two or three trips over to Japan, and we're going to restore the spinner, and then they're going to show it all around Japan and everything. And so it's uh, very exciting to to see the uh, the cult and the things that are uh, the people that are still interested in the uh, in the Blade Runner. Yeah, you know, and it's just like uh, Star Trek. There is so much, so many. Star Trekkies around the country. It's just unbelievable yeah. uh, to me. And, and I would have never thought that any of those movies would have continued in people's minds and, and, and con, you know, just the the uh, continuation of those films is just very exciting and gratifying to me. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the, um, you know, the, the, the following is bigger for the cars and the ships than it is for the celebrities themselves. You know, you like... Uh, yeah. Dukes of Hazard car, everybody remembers the car, you know, things right. like that, you know, all the iconic, um, you know, the, the Pontiac yeah. in, in um, uh, uh, Knight Rider and things like that. Right, um, right. So um, you also did some work on uh, uh, Robocop. We actually, in 2014, did the reboot. We did all the interfaces and the heads-up displays for, the, for Robocop himself. Uh, in yeah. that movie, he had a motorcycle, but uh, I believe you... you yeah, I Robocop. built the original car for uh, mm-hmm. Robocop. I have one here in my front yard as a yard art. But um, So I built that one, and uh, 
And that was, uh, in fact, uh, Chip Foose, I think, uh, did some design work or did the final design work for me on that one. And we we took some Oldsmobiles and, and uh, reworked them and, and put the futuristic look to them and um, so forth. And, and they... Uh, they blew the one up on the street, and and then they turned the the one upside down in the water. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I made a deal, and uh, which was very involved for me to end up with with the vehicle. It took it took us weeks to get the uh, legal paperwork done so that I would end up with one of those cars. And uh, so that was cool. What are your thoughts on on modern? toy you know uh car design and and vehicle and 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 even the spaceships of today's uh, movies what do you what do you do you you like it do you not do you think it's you know just different no i think it's great no i think it's great the the models that they uh, that they're creating to go with with the various movies i think it's fabulous and uh, in fact there's uh, an individual in japan that uh, that takes a spinner there there is a kit out available uh, on the spinner, and he takes that and reworks it and customizes it, and is is shipping me one of those right now. I, I should get it any day now uh, from Japan, where he has modified it and put the original guns. See, they had uh, laser guns for that vehicle, and then at the last minute they decided not to use them. So there was there was very few pictures shown with the laser guns on a spinner from the movie Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. So he's putting the guns on there and everything for me, and, and I'm going to hang that in my house. Uh, by the way, I live in a, in a museum house that is uh, like a picture museum, and uh, people are welcome to come here at any time. Um, they can, I can give you my phone number and address if you want. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I was just going to ask, you know, I know you're a super active person. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your shop and, and, you know, some of the yeah, cool projects you're a, working on now. Yeah, I have a 10-stall shop, and um, it's not real modern. It's old style, and, and uh, we do a lot of uh, original work and uh, with hammer and dolly and gas torch, as I told you. And uh, so we're customizing and chopping cars, chopping mercs, and all the time and then I'm also building a 40 Ford convertible and I'm going to enter it in the Riddler in Detroit in mm-hmm. the Detroit Autorama now every every year in the past six seven years every car that has won the Riddler contest has had over a million dollars in each car they have a million two a million four hundred right two million all these different things so we're not going to have a million in this but they also choose eight vehicles out of the entries, and those are called the Great Eight. So I want to be in the Great Eight with this 40 Ford, and it would be nice, of course, to win it. But, but anyway, we're doing some very exciting things, and, and I'm allowing no pictures of the car. The car cannot ever be shown um, at any show before it goes in the Riddler. Right. And so I'm hoping to finish this up by next uh, uh, February and have it in Detroit uh, as the premiere for this 40 Ford convertible. What's next for for Gene besides you know trying to get the the grade eight at the Riddler and, and things like that? Well, I'm just going to continue to uh, build custom cars and and create uh, different grills and things like I've been doing all my life, and that's mm-hmm. what I do. And uh, people ask me all the time. Uh, um, 
how I keep going and how much energy I have and so forth. I outdo all of these young guys, mm-hmm. and uh, I've uh, I've never had a drink, never had a smoke, um, actually never had a cup of coffee, and uh, so <laughs> maybe that I eat that's well. the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> I eat well and uh, and uh, I do take vitamins and I eat good food and stuff like that, which I think helps to my age. See, I just had a birthday in June. I'm 91. Wow. 91 years old now. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So how can people find you besides going to your to your shop, you know, on Instagram or Twitter? Do you have all those handles? Yeah, or? We, we have a website which we're still creating and putting some things on there. We do have oh, stuff like T-shirts and posters on there now. But uh, my phone number here at the shop is 661-824-4728. Or my address is 8201 Sierra Highway, Mojave, Cal, and the zip is 93501. So it's listed under Rod and Custom, Gene Winfield's Rod and Custom. Mm -hmm. And what's the website? Uh, The website is uh, Winfield Custom Shop, I believe is uh, is the actual website. Okay. Um, I don't have any more questions. I'm super excited to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking time out to uh, oh no problem. schedule. No and, problem, uh, man. I'm, I'm happy that you're doing some of this thing you're doing, and uh, like creating Iron Man. I, I watched that show. I actually watched that on the plane coming back from Japan last week. Oh. And, you know, some of the creativity and the, the uh, things in his house are just fabulous. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. So keep doing it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, okay. we enjoy doing right. it as much as probably you enjoy building the uh, the custom cars and, uh, and that's shows, right. Yeah, it shows in the uh, in the quality and uh, you know the passion that uh, each one of us has for for what we do. So all, all true. Yeah. So again, uh, I appreciate. We're going to keep creating. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, thanks again, Gene. It's uh, it's been okay. a real pleasure. Right. And hopefully, if I make it out to Detroit for Riddler, I'd love to. Uh, Grab a coffee. Well, we don't drink coffee, but maybe we get a nice meal. Okay. Thank you so much. And that wraps up another episode of the Perception Podcast. As always, send any questions and comments to ask at experienceperception.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Sign up for our weekly newsletter on our site, experienceperception.com slash contact. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and write a nice review. See you on the next episode.